This episode of The Green Insider is taking place from the North American Prospect Expo here in Houston, Texas. The NAPE Expo is where people come to get deals done. Visit NAPEXPO.com. Special thanks to Mark LaCour and the OGGN Network for letting us share their podcast lounge for today's podcast. This lounge is sponsored by TGS. With decades of experience, TGS aims to provide a deep insight and understanding to support society's evolving energy needs. Now here's the Green Insider. Welcome to the Green Insider, powered by eRenewable. Each and every podcast, host Mike Niemer will bring you energy experts to help you better understand the renewable and sustainability space. Education's important to us because it's important to you, the listener. Now here's Mike Niemer. Welcome back to another episode of the Green Insider podcast, powered by eRenewable. I'm your host, Ron Culver, and with me as always is Mike Niemer, CEO of eRenewable. Today, Mike is joined by Jane Stricker, Senior Vice President, Energy Transition, and Executive Director of Hedy. But before we dive into their conversation, let's hear from Mike's better half, COO of eRenewable, Ann Niemer. Ann Niemer here, COO of eRenewable. We know today whether you're a public company, private equity, or privately held company, ESG and sustainability are important to your company. At eRenewable, we can help you achieve some of those goals. If you have any questions or need any assistance with regards to reaching your sustainability goals, please visit us at eRenewable.com to learn more. As always, thank you for listening to The Green Insider, powered by eRenewable. Thanks, Ann. And now here's Mike with the Senior Vice President, Energy Transition and Executive Director of Hedy, Jane Stricker. Welcome to The Green Insider Podcast, powered by eRenewable. I am Mike Niemer, your host today. And today, you're going to be joining us from the NAPE Expo here in Houston, Texas. And I have a very special friend that's a special, makes a special guest today, Miss Jane Stricker from Hetty here in Houston. Jane, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mike, great to be here. Since this is, a, I guess you've been on once with Hetty when we were at an event together and you did a little small segment, yeah. but Hetty stands for Houston Energy Transition Initiative, correct? Correct. And you left BP when our fans knew you from BP. Uh, but now you've been at Hetty two years now? How long? Just over two years. Just over, wow, that time's gone fast, hasn't it? So tell us a little bit about what made you leave a 20 plus year job at BP to join Hetty. Yeah, I, um, I think recognizing that the energy transition is going to have a significant impact on the Houston region and all of the companies that are based here. We have over 5,000 energy companies across the whole value chain here in Houston. And I had done some work for BP on the National Petroleum Council study on carbon capture use and storage and, and bringing together a group of stakeholders to really try to, to move a key issue like that forward. Um, so when this opportunity came up at the partnership, which is an economic development organization, to really bring together this broad group of stakeholders, energy companies from across the entire value chain, advisory board, community organizations, NGOs, to really think about how do we position Houston to retain its leadership in energy as we also transition to a low carbon net zero future. It sort of was exactly what I wanted to do and I couldn't imagine doing it anywhere other than in Houston. Well, you know, it goes without saying Houston's considered the energy capital of the world. And in today's world, that's not just oil and gas. It's not. And and that's what Hedy's all about. We're not just oil and gas, we're everything here. I mean, look at this room, it started out all oil and gas and there's a whole section on renewables now, sustainable markets and so on and so forth. So we're growing tremendously as you know and I know just 
you can be out anywhere and you're going to run into somebody that's in the renewable space, can't you? Yeah, absolutely. I think the exciting thing about Houston and Texas broadly is that we really have become an all-of-the-above energy geography. I like this that all-of-the-above. That's yeah, good. Yeah, this is where every energy solution has a role to play and will be critical to helping us meet the growing demand for energy, but also meet our long-term emissions targets. And so whether it's nuclear, whether it's renewable uh, power generation through uh, um, wind and solar, I'm actually doing a, a fireside chat today with the, the vice president of strategy for Fervo Energy. They're doing enhanced geothermal to create ba baseload renewable power. Everything and every, anything, carbon capture, uh, clean hydrogen, all of it will have a role to play in, in meeting our energy demands globally and also, you know, meeting our emissions targets. And so that's why Houston is so well positioned to really lead the way. When you left BP to take your role at Hetty, was that the start of Hetty? or had it already started and you kind of just picked up the pace and moved it forward faster? Yeah, so we had, so the partnership had announced the strategy um, probably about six or eight months before I joined. And I joined as the initial, you know, inaugural executive director of, the, of that. So we formed the team. Um, so the strategy was there, but we hadn't started implementing it until January of 2022. Very good. So you've got your two years into this, two years and a month into it, okay? Tell the listeners what your group and association has accomplished in that two-year window, and where do you see the balance of 24 going? Let's kind of have some conversation going down those roads. Yeah, I think, so as an economic development organization, you know, we're not, we're not investing in projects, we're not building things, but what we do is we convene for impact, and so, our members represent the full spectrum of energy companies here in Houston, and we bring them together to think about how do we help advance some of these key issues so that we can get more projects done, so that we can get more investment, so that we can get more economic development, and so that we can draw more companies here to Houston. And so we look at our success sort of in two buckets of activity. One is engagement metrics. You know, how are we engaging people to change their perceptions about what's happening in Houston, but also to help bring together really key conversations around energy transition. And so a couple of examples, you know, when, when the Office of Clean Energy Demonstration launched their organization and said, look, we've got $150 billion to spend, or 20, they, they said, I think, $26 billion to spend in 500 days to do it. We need to connect in with the companies that are based in Houston and they reach out and say, convene this group for us. How can we connect better with them so that we're getting more of these projects into development? ARPA-E is technology um, part of, of the DOE, comes down and engages with chief technology officers for all of the companies here in Houston that are thinking about what are those transition strategies and technologies that are gonna be needed for the future. So we do a lot of engagement. Um, we have also, published a couple of white papers, one on what it's going to take for Houston to retain its position as the, the, the energy finance capital of the world. Um, you know, when you think about a lot of the new energy, a lot of that venture capital is coming from the East Coast and the West Coast. Well, we want Houston to retain its position as the leader in energy finance because no other geography understands energy finance like this one does. Um, 
we uh, put out a paper on Houston's uh, capability to be a leader in clean hydrogen development and deployment, both for the U.S. and globally. Um, and then most recently, we worked with the University of Houston students and our member companies to, to do a study on what are the, uh, what are the infrastructure needs for broad-scale carbon capture deployment in the Houston region. So what do we need to be thinking about in terms of pipeline right-of-ways, supply chain issues, water and electricity, all of those things that if we don't think about it now can become bottlenecks for us in terms of executing on big projects in the future. So we look for those areas where our member companies can collaborate. They're going to compete at the end of the day on a number of different areas and they're, they're always competing for new business. But where they can collaborate is on those areas where we're thinking about what are the infrastructure needs, what are the talent and workforce needs, how do we make sure that we are removing the barriers of the log jams that are keeping us from accelerating um, those technologies and solutions that we think are going to be key for the transition, which is in all of the above transition focused on emissions reduction, not elimination of any, any particular energy source. Well. There are two things I want to ask you about. First, the white papers you mentioned. Can the listeners find that on your website? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, all of our white papers, all of our resources, and all of the details about who our members are and the kind of work that we do is available on our, on our website, energytransitionhtx.org. Energytransitionhtx.org. Yes. Very good. All spelled out straight across, yep. right? Okay, the second thing is... As you look back on your two years, are you further along than you expected to be? Or is this really where you thought you would get to? Or are you, or are you still behind? Gosh, I would say I didn't ever imagine that we would be this far along two years in. I think the momentum um, around transition has really picked up. I think the conversation has broadened because of some of the energy security challenges, because of the war in Ukraine, the conversation around this being a dual challenge. We can't just solve for climate, we also have to solve for energy. The world is going to need a heck of a lot more energy than it uses today. Um, and, and we have to be solving for both sides of that equation. And I think this, the, the capability that exists here in Houston to think about scale and developing technologies for, for that future is second to none. And so when I look at what we've managed to do over the last two years and, and um, the, the brand awareness that we've created, I mean, gosh, we have 5,000 followers on LinkedIn now. Um, and everybody is interested to learn and connect in. We've got over, we had 13 economic development wins last year of energy companies moving to Houston to build their business. Um, and, and those are just the ones that, that we had a part in. So, um, you know, it, it is an amazing energy ecosystem that continues to grow. And so I, I feel like we've made a ton of progress. There's still a ton of work to do, lots to get done, but um, I feel really, really uh, grateful to have been a part of this for the last two years and, and see all this growth. Well, me looking at what you've done. I think you guys are ahead of what anybody ever expected, and you should be real proud of that because you all have done a bang-up job. And then when you look at the city of Houston, and you add not only your group, but we now have Greentown Labs. We have the ION. We have all these hubs. The ecosystem here 
has just gotten crazy yeah. and you can't describe it to somebody that's not in town can right, you? Right, right. No, you can't. You really do have to come and experience it because I think there still is a perception out there and we're working on it to change that mindset that this is still a uh, an old thinking traditional oil and gas town and not a broad-based energy town um, and it is very much that and it is such a collaborative community uh, and having all of these different hubs the innovation hubs and and all these different organizations working together um, it really makes it feel like a tight-knit community even though it's a, a huge sector and and so many different types of businesses everybody is looking for everyone else to be successful the thing that does not ever surprise me, or excuse me, continues to surprise me, is when we're out and you meet somebody and you ask what they do, they're very similar to you and I. They've been in oil and gas in the past, and now we're working in sustainability, in ESG, in wind, in solar, on all these different new projects yeah. to the marketplace. It's all over Houston, and everybody will have what is the uh, six degrees of separation right. by Kevin Bacon or whatever that's saying? <laughs> but we'll all have that oil and gas story, yeah. and then we end up here. It's crazy, isn't it? Absolutely. But I think that's what makes Houston so unique, and, and one of the reasons we're going to be so successful in this is we know how to take engineering problems and solve them and scale them. And so our ability to do that is, and it doesn't matter what technology as long as it's meeting our goals, we will figure out here in Houston how to make a business out of it, how to make a dollar from it, and how to scale it so that it can be impactful for the world. Those are pretty strong words you just said, impactful for the world. You know, uh, our show, we're now, we have listeners in 98 countries now. And so there's, granted, the highest percentage is the United States, but 98 countries. I never would have believed that if somebody told me that at one time, right? I would just never believe we'd have grown that far, but thank you to all the listeners and to our good guests to allow that to happen. But there's a different mindset here that I wish we could express and market to people even better than we already do. And it's hard. How do you how do you show what we have when people aren't here? Yeah. And that's the that's the challenge, really. You know, we can all have these words and we can all say it, but everybody across the world may think oh, they're full of crap, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. they just don't believe that yeah. it's like that. But we go out in Houston, you go to a happy hour, and you always meet somebody you've crossed in the past. Always, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is it is the the biggest small town I've ever lived in in my life, and I and I think the thing we try to say here about our approach to energy transition is that if you're willing to be part of the solution, you're welcome to be part of the conversation. In a lot of places in the world, there's a view that certain industries, certain types of organizations, aren't welcome into the conversation; that they are a problem that needs to be fixed and not a part of the solution. And our view here in Houston, which I think is quite unique, is if you're, if you're interested in being part of the solution to the dual challenge of more energy and less emissions, you're welcome to the, into the conversation here. Boy, that could, I don't know if you've really said that before, but that was perfectly said. So thank you for joining us and saying that today. That was, that was great. You know, as we look forward uh, into the future, we know there's gonna be more hydrogen. That's just gonna to continue to be a growth space. The biggest question with hydrogen is, 
Is it going to take as long to get to mainstream like CNG did? Or is it actually what we learned from CNG, we can put into hydrogen and make it grow a little faster? So that's one question that I always have in the back of my mind, having originally first dabbled in CNG in 1995, okay? So it took a while for it yeah. to boom. So is hydrogen kind of there? At the same time, you know, in Georgia, they just put in the first nuclear plant in 30 years. Now there's a lot more talk about more nuclear plants yeah. being built. Not necessarily the big omega plants, but smaller plants, and many of them, right? Yep. That fascinates me too. Yeah, it's super exciting. One of our members, Dow Chemicals, is yep. doing a, a, a small nuclear pilot with X Energy at their Sheadrift facility here yep. in Texas. I, I can't wait because, you know, the more of this that comes here, the more we can say all of the above energy, right? And, 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 we want to be able to show how all of it can work together to solve these challenges. And so having that um, is really exciting. I think on the hydrogen front, look, Houston is already a hub for hydrogen. We produce probably 75% or more of the nation's hydrogen. We have 90% of the infrastructure for existing hydrogen production from the United States here in this region. So we know how to make it and move it. We just need to figure out how to decarbonize it. And there'll be lots of pathways, and I'm not saying it should all be blue or it should all be green or it should all be any particular color. I think we need all of it and all sorts of it. But I think some things will be able to move pretty quickly because we already have technology that can do some of these things and help us to decarbonize some of these industrial facilities and some of these gas processing plants. And at the same time, we need to be developing the technologies that will allow us to do this at scale from renewable energy. Jane, for us to really move forward with green, on the greener pastures in this world, right? In the United States, we've got to somehow get over the log jam for those interconnection fees or uh, permits, right? You're being kind of on the inside of what you see going on around the country. Do you think any progress is being made so people aren't waiting two and three years and then getting denied? Yeah, it is, it is probably the single biggest challenge in my mind that we have to solve if we actually want to see any of these big energy projects scale up. Um, because whether it's a renewable project or a new pipeline, we're all facing the same challenges, right? right. And, and we got to figure out how to, how to make some progress there. Um, you know, unfortunately, I don't hold out hope that anything will happen before. I mean, it's an election year. So I think the likelihood of us seeing any material permitting reform this year is pretty slim. That's my personal opinion. Um, but hopefully we're starting to um, come to understandings across the aisle on this is, this is not good for anyone. Um, we can't continue to hold these things up. We have to get some clarity. Um, you know, having money is one thing but uncertainty will kill a project faster than anything. And so we have to see um, some light at the end of the tunnel that we're gonna be able to get, get these projects done uh, or, we're, or we're just not gonna be able to meet our energy goals or our climate goals, quite frankly. There's some lofty ambition out there between CNI customers and public entities, you know, schools, city, states, for their first target goals being set for 2030. Those are kind of in jeopardy yeah. to have these deals done because they could reach those goals by using carbon offsets or RECs, 
But at the same time, that's not the direction they're really wanting to go. Right, right. And so, uh, so then, if you're a corporation, you're a municipality, and the only way to hit the announced target is by buying the offset, how's the public view it when they hear all the issues to get to where we're trying to get? What are we supposed to do? Yeah, I, I wish I had an answer for that question. If I did, I'd probably be in a very different job right now. But uh, I think, um, you know, we have to find ways to find that middle ground. And we can't sacrifice the good to get to the perfect. We have to do what we can do today while we're figuring out what we need to do tomorrow. Um, and we have to be willing to consider um, all sides of the conversation in the decision making and then find the, the best answer that works, you know, for the maximum group of people and, and try to make that, that move forward. So I think it, it is going to become a big, big challenge. Um, we're going to start to see, I fear, people moving those targets back. Because legitimately, if you can't start getting steel on the ground in the next year or two, it's going to be really hard for you to meet those those 2030 goals um, and even some of the 2035 goals. So we have to be able to build things. We have to be able to permit things to build things. And that's really the only way we're actually going to be able to make that, that kind of progress. Well, you're absolutely right. But you know what? We're here to talk about the Houston Energy Transition Initiative. You all have done a bang up job over there. Once again, I'm gonna repeat myself, you all need to be really proud of what you've accomplished. Two years, you've done a lot, okay? But the magic question is, how many times have you had to get on stage and talk in that two years? Do you have a number? <laughs> oh I don't. I wish I could say I should keep count, um, but the number of, of presentations and podcasts and conversations and, um, and yeah, it, it's been a lot. It's been really fun. It was not, I didn't anticipate coming into this role that I would be that public facing, um, but it's been really fun for me to get out. And I always say I have the easiest job in Houston because I just get to share the great stories of what's happening. And, and I'm not doing the work. I just get to go be the one to talk about it um, and, and bring the people together and, and try to help build this ecosystem. Um, but it's it, it has been the busiest job I've ever had, which is a lot considering yeah. I managed Macondo obligations with the federal government um, at BP, and uh, it's also probably the most fun job I've ever had. Well, Jane, thank you so much for what you do. I feel like we were a small part of this because we were your first podcast you ever did, and I remember you. Am I remembering correctly? Absolutely. You are remembering correctly. I always tell people, yep, the first podcast I ever did, I was still at BP, and I did the e-renewable podcast, and it was probably one of your first 50 or so that you I'm ever gonna did. I'm going to guess you're in the 25 to 50 yeah, yeah, number, and yeah. now, you know, we're 225 plus now, so anyway. Jane, always a pleasure to see you. Even more of a pleasure to talk to you and have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining the Green Insider Powered Be Renewable today. Thanks so much, Mike. Always a pleasure to be here and, uh, and be a part of your podcast. Oh, thank you so much. Well, that's a wrap from Nape. Uh, special thanks goes out to Mark LeCour and his team for letting us join him at the OGGN Podcast Lounge. This is Mike Niemer. Have a great day. A big thanks to Jane Stricker for joining the podcast today. And thank you all for listening. A brief reminder that if you're not yet subscribed to the Green Insider Podcast, what are you waiting for? Become one today from wherever you receive your podcasts. And please, leave us a five-star rating.